You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday, a game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans take on the Phoenix Suns at home, a team they've beaten once before this season. That is definitely a good thing. We'll preview that game coming up in the third segment here. Before we get to that, we got two things we got to cover. First, an update on Zion Williamson, his injury, when he's likely to return. What's the time frame or not time frame as it might be? We'll touch on that in the first segment. And then second segment, this was a question posed to me on Twitter, and I'll explain a little bit more about the Pelicans offense, why they're doing what they do, and why some of these shots that people People are complaining about I don't see as bad we touched on this a little bit yesterday too but we can dive a little bit more in depth into it and then we're going to pose a question about it is it the right thing to do given the team that they have so let's dive into it all in today's edition of locked on pelicans so I didn't even get to talk about this even though I said I would in yesterday's podcast because I was so angry about the game and what we saw out on the court mainly on the defensive side and we'll talk about the offense coming up in the next segment that I didn't even get to give you guys the report on everything going on with Zion Williamson and if you watched it Kristen Ledlow of NBA TV of TNT gave a pretty good in-depth report on it and I saw her talking with David Griffin in the tunnels before the game so this is coming straight from him and she said Zion it turned a corner in his rehab this week and he's getting closer to going back and practicing and doing things with the team but right now he is on the outside of that six to eight week uh, expected recovery period meaning it's not going to be in the next two weeks because on Monday we were at six weeks it's going to be outside of eight so it's going to be a little bit longer So disappointing we won't get to see Zion Williamson on the court sooner rather than later, but this is certainly the right move. The Pelicans are taking no chances, maybe being overly cautious about it, but I think that's okay given the situation and that this guy really matters. So he's going to be on the outside looking in for a little bit longer, and to get back on the court, he's got to hit certain metrics, whether it's conditioning or maybe some play metrics, different things like that. They are not going to put him back on the court till they are absolutely 1,000% certain he is 100%. The big news is there's been no setbacks in his recovery whatsoever. This is just them being cautious. They don't want to put him out there if he's not going to be in a position to succeed. And if he's out of shape, and there was a lot of talk about that stuff um, this offseason, And during summer league, well, then maybe they want to make sure that he doesn't have to deal with that when he gets back on the court. So they're going to take a little bit longer to make sure he does look good conditioning wise and can get out there and run and play and just be Zion Williamson. I do not think from people I've talked to and just the vibe I've gotten around that they are going to hold him out for the year. I had some people ask me this recently. And the main reason I think that is, is because you want this kid to develop. And you only do that by going out and playing and you're not going to develop and you're not going to become a better NBA player sooner rather than later if you're not playing basketball. 
So I see, think the Pelicans do want to get him out on the court. I just don't think they want to rush him back out on the court. And if you can let him play for half the season, well then, that is certainly significantly more than if you didn't play him half a season. So overall, I think this is probably a good move if a disappointing move by the Pelicans. The problem is you lose all the momentum generated from this offseason. The numbers were high for everyone. The podcast numbers here were through the roof. Thank you all for listening, by the way. The newspaper numbers, through the roof. Site numbers, through the roof. Everyone's numbers when it came to the Pelicans were through the roof. Beating out Saints numbers. It was nuts. We've never seen anything like this. I talked to all the people in Pelicans media. No one had seen it. It was ever, And everyone loved it. This is fun for us, finally. And now all of a sudden, the drop-off because of the injury, because of the lack of wins, has really hit a wall and taken a deep dive, not in, in a bad way, not like the good ones we do here on the show. And so you lose that momentum to try and carry it over to next year, and fans are left feeling like this is just the same old, same old. And it does feel that way with the injuries and some of the other things that have been going on with the team. It's disappointing to say the least. And the Pelicans need to capitalize on this. This is their chance to build a fan base like they've never had before. And they've got to do something, whether it's winning games or probably that. Probably just playing winning games. You know, probably just winning games or getting Zion back out there. That's really the only way you can re-energize this fan base. Because right now, it's a little rough. It, It was worse in terms of crowd attendance in the game on Tuesday than I've seen in a while. It was a little bit cold. It was a Tuesday game. You were playing still a good opponent, but not an amazing opponent, I think, uh, to a lot of people. And people didn't show up. And it was disappointing, and the Pelicans got crushed. They feel it's just the same old, same old. You've got to make them feel like it's something different. Now, there's been a lot of talk about expectations, and if you look at this roster, and you're, you know, if someone says to you, well, look at this roster, what the hell did you expect? A lot of the people who are listening to my show who are out there on Twitter and who follow this team didn't set the expectations for themselves. You know who did set it was David Griffin, Alvin Gentry, and the Pelicans themselves. David Griffin on Media Day said, we're here to beat people's asses. This isn't a rebuild. They, he talked about saying they have maybe the best defensive backcourt in the league and they could be a top five defense and he'd be disappointed if they weren't a top five defense. Well, they're kind of the exact opposite of that as the fifth worst defense right now. The Pelicans set these expectations on themselves and they are failing to live up to those bars that they put out there. No one else did that. They were the ones that came out strong and aggressive in the offseason with narratives and talking about what this team could do. And everyone bought in. 12,000 you know, total full season tickets is not a joke. That is a serious deal. And now they're letting those people down. And it's disappointing to see. And now maybe they need to recraft the messaging to be about the long-term future. And they haven't done that yet. They're going to need to soon because I think we're kind of hitting that breaking point. And it's going to be interesting to see what the crowd is going to be like tonight in the Smoothie King Center as some of this momentum dives down. But to sum everything up here, I expect to see Zion on the court this year. Nothing makes me doubt that. Again, he's only going to get better by playing him and they want him to get better. So I think we'll see him and maybe they start to get some wins then. They have had the toughest uh, schedule so far or one of the toughest schedules so far. And it will get easier after Christmas. Maybe that leads to some more wins too and a little bit of an evening out of the record. But with time, we will find that out. And time is something the Pelicans don't have a ton of when it comes to the fan base right now.
So we're going to talk about the offense, the fast pace, if it is good for this team right now, and why I kind of like some of the shots that people are complaining about because it fits into their offensive philosophy, the identity that they have. We'll touch on that, though, in a second. Before we do that, don't forget about the new Pelicans Twitch show that I host officially for the team called On The Fly, twitch.com slash pelicansnba. That's twitch.com slash pelicansnba. We're going to have our next show on December 17th. It's live and interactive, meaning I'll be following along with the chat. You can ask your questions, give your opinions, and we'll read them live on the show. It's a lot of fun. Nothing else like this. So set, uh, go to twitch.com slash pelicansnba. Click that follow button so you know when we go live. I'll have more on the specific time for you guys sooner rather than later. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I cannot wait. And if you haven't seen the first episode, check it out. We got Josh Hart on there, and talking to him about video games was pretty damn cool. It's Pelicans. Uh, sorry, twitch.com slash pelicansnba. So the offense, talking about it, because I don't think it's been a huge problem this year, and this was posed to me by at Dark Hornet on Twitter yesterday, and I thought it would be good for a segment on the show. And he says, listening to the pod would love help understanding something. Why is generating more possessions a good thing in and of itself? Doesn't every extra possession you create because of pace also mean you create another possession for your opponent? It's a good question, and maybe it leads to some people misunderstanding what the Pelicans are trying to do offensively. I saw a lot of people being upset at all the threes that they're taking, and I look at it as like, this is a damn good thing. I like what they're doing. I want them to at times do more of it. It's why I don't totally hate how Lonzo Ball's played at times. Certainly, I'd like him to change things a little bit, but overall, I feel pretty good about what they're doing offensively, and I don't think it's been a huge problem. Um, they rank, let me pull it up here. Um, basketball reference has them at 15th in the league, but the NBA stat site, which for that, I think is a little bit more accurate. Let's see where they rank there when it comes to that. It's probably going to be, oh, also 15th. Cool. Let's be the exact same. Um, so they're 15th in the league. So not amazing, but they're not bad either. And I don't, again, think the offense has been a problem given some of the guys you're missing too. So they take a lot of three-pointers in this, and they're generating a lot of possession. So let's break it down, talk about what it all means. Yes, when you take a shot in the game, whether you make it or miss it or turn the ball over, you give another possession to your opponent. So if you're only using four or five seconds in the shot clock, let's say, and even if the opponent is using more of their time with the shot clock, you're still giving them more possessions. There's a reason why pace is essentially equal, it can differ by one or two potentially for each team in a game. But more or less, you're going to have an equal number of possessions. So if you play fast, it means the opponent gets more possessions. But it's the shooting percentages and using this efficiently is where things really come in into an interesting way. If you think you're a good shooting team and your opponent is not a good shooting team, well, then you want to play a game where there's a lot of possessions. Because over the long run, you're going to outscore them. If for one to use an offensive rating in this, which breaks it down per 100 possessions, if you score uh, 120 points per 100 possessions and your opponent scores 110, okay, there's if you play in a game with 100 possessions, you're going to outscore them by 10. But if you play in a game where it's uh, more than that, every type of every when the possessions get more, you're going to outscore them and build a bigger lead. And I think that's an important thing to kind of keep in mind. All of a sudden, if you play to 200 possessions, you've outscored them by 20 instead of 10. 
So when the Pelicans are taking these three-pointers early on in the shot clock, they're kind of banking on that they can outshoot the opponent, which given how bad their defense is, probably isn't the wrong way to go about it. They're not going to win games with defense. They're going to win games with offense right now, which means you need to get as many offensive possessions, meaning playing with a faster pace. If you get into just say a three-point shootout with your opponent and you shoot a higher percentage than them, say every shot's a three, and you shoot a higher percentage, you're going to win the game. Now, the more possessions you get, the wider that margin of victory is, meaning you have more of a margin for error and to miss a shot here and there because you're generating other possessions. And that's what the Pelicans are kind of banking on doing. They shoot the uh, fifth most three-pointers per game, 39.2. Let's round up and call it 40 just to make it easy. They shoot those at a uh, fourth best in the league, 37.7%. If your opponent shoots 34% and you do and you put in more and more and more possessions and you're out shooting them like that, you'll score more than them. It's kind of simple. Does that make sense? And then the more you do it, the wider that margin gets. So the Pelicans feel, okay, it's five seconds into the shot clock, but we have a guy who's got a wide open three. It's JJ Redick. He's good. Let him take that. Why work the clock a little bit more? Why try and manufacture a better look when you're not really going to get a better look than an open three-point shooter from deep? And that's kind of what they're doing. Now, there's less of a structure to the offense. They kind of just go out and play. They're not necessarily running a ton of set plays, and they're just doing actions that they're kind of taught that are inherent to the offense that they kind of want to run. But it's about finding an open shot early on in the shot clock so that you get another possession to do the exact same thing. And then if your opponent goes down low and works through the shot clock, doesn't get that kind of look, and they miss, well, you're kind of off and running then. So the goal right now is a lot of possessions to make the most of their offense because they feel it's good and better than opponents and that their three-point shooting certainly is. Again, I believe in the three-point shooting on this team. I've said it. Look at some of the numbers for these guys. J.J. Redick is shooting 46% from deep. Brandon Ingram is shooting 41.5% from deep. Josh Hart, 38.6% from deep. Each one more over 38%. Ken Rich Williams is shooting 35%. Drew Holiday is shooting 35%. Those are all really good. Even Lonzo Ball, after last night's performance, is shooting 34%. He was above 36% from deep going into that game. So... They shoot the ball really well. And something to keep in mind with this is shooting 33.3% on three-pointers is the equivalent of shooting 50% on two-pointers. They both yield one point per possession. Now, if you shoot 37.7% from three, that's significantly better than what it would be for 50% from, uh, from two. There's a difference in that, and the Pelicans see that. So I think that's one of the reasons why they are taking, um, as I run some of the numbers, uh, that's one of the reasons why they're taking so many threes. So 50% from two is one point per possession, let's call it. Uh, and then 37.7% from three is 1.13 point per possession or per shot. That's good. That's better. So why not take those type of shots and take more of those since most teams aren't going to be able to outbomb you from deep. And that's what the Pelicans are doing. So when I see Lonzo Ball, who was shooting above 36% going into last uh, the other game, I don't mind if he's taking an open three because he's making them at a pretty good rate, a rate that's considered good. So I'll let him take that.
Now, I'd like some more balance in him and just not only doing that. At times, you've got to mix it up. And if you're well covered or maybe doing it as a step back or something like that, less of a spot up shot, I don't like that. But overall, I don't hate what I'm seeing from the offense. Again, to me, that is not the problem. I see it as the defense. When Bill Clinton was running for president and James Carville, Louisiana native here, was his campaign manager of the three slogans he had, there's one that still resonates to this day with a lot of people. The economy's stupid. With the Pelicans, it's the defense stupid. The defense stupid. The it's isn't in there, but the defense stupid. That's what's going on here. They can't stop anybody to the point that it's not even mattering if they're able to go out and score so much. They just can't stop anyone. If they can even get that to mediocre, this team's going to win a lot of games. But that's the issue, not the three-point shooting, not anything else. The reason they're not winning games is because they're just not defending anyone. Go back and look at some of the clips from the game against uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Why do they have four or five guys in the paint and three open perimeter shooters for Dallas? I don't know what's going on there. The defense. You guys aren't stupid. You guys know it. It's not good. Don't worry. So we'll preview the game coming up here in just a moment. Before I do that, today's show brought to you by my bookie. Are you the type of fan that knows basketball and football so well that you can choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, the NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of fan who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay, pick multiple winners. Um, and take those big favorites and they're perfect because they let you bet multiple games together and you get a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. And if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. means if you put in $2,000, you get an extra thousand in free money to play with just use promo code locked on nba to activate the offer once again that's promo code locked on nba to take advantage of my bookie's generous sign up offer visit mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid so it's a game day here in the crescent city as the phoenix suns come to town to take on the pelicans in the smoothie king center a game the pelicans really really want to win to get off of the six game losing streak they're on right now they beat phoenix earlier in the year and phoenix after a really strong start to the year has really tailed off they're just two and six in their last eight games after coming off a very good start they're nine and ten on the season as i'm recording this they're playing i'm not uh, going to stay up and wait to record to watch this. So we're just going to skip this game and pretend like it didn't happen. They're a little bit banged up losing Aaron Baines for the, potentially this game. Same for Ricky Rubio. Both are questionable going into it. And having both those guys makes them a much scarier team than without. Aaron Baines has kind of been like the key to unlocking this Phoenix Suns offense and does so much for him, for them. But they also have another guy in Frank Kaminsky who kind of fills a lot of that same kind of role. But Aaron Baines is almost the engine of this team. Frank the Tank, not so much. Means New Orleans can try and get this one, assuming they don't defend as poorly as they did against Dallas. Phoenix has the sixth best offense in the league. Defensively, they're not great. But because they take so many threes and we've seen the Pelicans give up so many wide open three-point uh, three shots to sometimes good shooters... 
They need to defend the perimeter and be smart in this game. Communicate, have a plan, go out and execute it, and play with some discipline, something we did not see against the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Devin Booker averaging 24.7 points per game, 6.3 assists, 3.7 rebounds. Kelly Oubre, 20 points per game, uh, along with 6.6 rebounds. He's been pretty good for them so far this year. And then they have a bunch of like rotational bigs who all are just good enough. Basically, don't defend like you did against Dallas and you have a chance to win this one. I think it's kind of that simple. And come out and play with some damn pride, which we saw a little bit lacking in the game against the Mavs. So I've already gone long on the podcast today. We don't need to dwell on this too much. Basically, don't play crap defense and you'll be in this one. Simple as that. We've got to see some improvement on that side of the ball after that atrocious showing against the Dallas Mavericks. So we'll leave it there. So thank you all for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 